This is a conspiracy. That's what this is. One big damn conspiracy! And everyone's in on it! I know what's going on. Did IQs just drop sharply while I was away? person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. Did you see the memo about this? Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. Don't you see what this means? All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another fun and exciting episode of My Third Eye, a fun journey. Uh, my guest this time, um, you've heard him on Talk at the Tavern a couple times, and he is probably one of the biggest contributors to Cunt. Uh, today, I have Drew Misson from the podcast, You're Missing the Point, coming all the way from Down Under over there in New Zealand. No, I'm just kidding. He's not from New Zealand. He's from Australia. <laughs> How are you, Drew? I'm good, mate. Watch out. Never confuse an Australian with a Kiwi. It's like comparing no. an American to a Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky I know so, you're uh, taking the piss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let people know where they can find your podcast, find you on social media, and and uh, I don't know, I guess just take it away and drop some hammers. Uh, I'm ready to get educated. And uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I'm the host of your Missing the Point podcast. You can find me on all the usual podcatchers. I'm listed on Instagram as your underscore missing underscore uh, the point. Uh, it is M-I-S-S-E-N. For those of you who may not get that with the accent, it is my last name, M-I-S-S-E-N. I'm also a co-host of the Conspiracy Theatre 3000 show where we break down uh, Hollywood-based films for symbolism and any kind of conspiracy stuff. Uh, my co-hosts are Moral Bob and Andy Rouse, and I also have a educational podcast, called The Homeroom, Educating Educators, where I break down the education system with our homeschooling mum named Kaylee, my lovely co-host, and myself as a government school teacher, we try to help parents how they can navigate the education system and if they should so choose, break into the homeschooling realm. Nice. You're a busy man. I am, yeah. It started off as one and quickly evolved. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does that. It takes a takes a nasty turn sometimes and uh you know, uh, my guests are no no stranger and listeners. Uh, I recently left my my other project uh, just due to not, not having the time to give it a hundred percent. You know what I mean? And I I didn't feel that was fair to Shane. But uh, you know, I had I had to regroup and refocus on on my stuff. But you know, hey, it, maybe something else will down the line will come up. Who knows? You know, if it does, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, right now I'm having a blast doing cunt. You know, every week and. Uh, and the tavern. I mean, last last time you were on the tavern, we were having a ton of laughs. So, yeah, good, good, good stuff. So, um, yeah, like I said, you come in from Australia and you brought up something to me about uh, the gun control and how it started. And you you want to drop some some bombs on that? Yeah. What I'm here to discuss today isn't anything new under the sun. 
But I think it's something that Americans have a real gap in their understanding of. Americans think, oh, yeah, Australians let their guns be taken away, but they don't really know the ins and outs of what happened around it. And maybe this can give you guys a bit of insight into how I think they're going to try and manage gun control within the United States. So the event that spurred all this in Australia was the Port Arthur Massacre. And before I get into anything, I really need to preface this by saying that this is a really controversial topic for Australians. Um, having the conversation around this may be traumatic for some people. And my intention is not to upset anyone or make anyone's memories of loved ones belittled at all. Um, it's just to draw light on those innocent victims and the tragic events or what happened around it. Specifically that there are a lot of missing parts of this story, parts that don't make sense, that allude to the fact that there's potentially more than one person involved that hasn't been brought to light yet. Gotcha. And and you're right, because, you know, as an American, I, you know, I was like, man, how could Australia just give up their guns and, and you know, do this? Now, I, I, I do understand some people still have some, you're allowed to have hunting rifles and, and, and whatnot to an extent. Am I correct? Yeah, which I do. I do myself. Um, so if you're a primary producer, like a farmer, you can have firearms. They can still have semi-automatic weapons for putting down um, their stock or for taking care of um, pest species. Hunters, um, we're limited to certain types of hunting rifles and shotguns now. Um, we can have pistols in Australia, but it's a very rigorous process to get one uh, and takes years of jumping through hoops. Which is kind of like New York and California for us. Yeah, very uh, similar in a lot of those ways. And what what I'm trying to set out to do with this episode, and I, like you said, don't want to ruffle any feathers because it is a sensitive uh, topic for, for Australians. Um, however, I think Americans need to open their eyes because we we sit here and think that nothing like that is ever going to happen. Yet you look around the world right now and you see countries rising up in protests and America's still sitting on their ass and everybody looking to America, you are the last hope. You guys still have your guns. You guys can still do something for, about your tyrannical government. Yet we sit here on our ass and think, ah, it's, it, everything's okay. Oh, whatever. Joe Biden's Joe Biden or, you know, this or that. They're, they'll never take our guns. The ultimate goal is to take our guns. And once they do that, then, I mean, we already see it with freedom of speech. They're, they're trying to go after that left and right hard. And, you know, the Second Amendment here in America uh, follows the First Amendment for a reason. So I don't know. Yeah, it backs you up that little bit against tyrannical uh, leadership, doesn't it? Yeah. So our story starts, a little bit of Australian history starts with Port Arthur. Port Arthur is a, uh, a place within Australia where it has a very high historical significance. It's where our, one of our very first convict colonies was. So for the broader part of Australians, it becomes a, a place that we know of historically. Um, it's a town which people visit for tourism. Um, kids go there, that type of thing. After this event, it's now known as a place of Australia's largest mass shooting. It took place on the 28th of April in 1996 in that tourist town um, in Tasmania, which is our, our island to the south of us off the mainland. The perpetrator of this, Martin Bryant, killed 35 people and wounded 23 others. And it's still known to today as the worst shooting in Australian history because of the fundamental gun changes that happened afterwards. That's just the mainstream breakdown of it. Pretty simple. A guy went out there, 
shot a bunch of people, wounded a bunch of people, and Australia overhauled its, its gun laws overnight, essentially. But at any point when you research this or look into it, uh, even so far after the fact, you always come across any references to questioning what happened or trying to delve in deeper to it. It labels, the system seems to label you as an Australian as a far-right extremist or a gun nut just for looking into it. Um, and this, this gaslighting of and suppressing of independent research um, really puts it as a no-go zone for a lot of Australians. No people would like to touch it. I, a lot more people feel a lot more comfortable about questioning the COVID narrative opposed to this. Now, it make, Well, it makes sense, you know what I mean? Because it was such an altering uh, time for your, your whole entire country. And, you know... Whether you want to call them false flags or whatever, you know, they here in America, they never let a good crisis go to waste when when there's a quote unquote mass shooting. And I think they're trying, in my humble opinion, to base any mass shooting or large shooting here in America to do what happened with Port Arthur. And absolutely, it, it, it's yeah. scary because you're sitting here saying. People would rather talk, you know, question the, the COVID narrative rather than talk about this. And you kind of, it's kind of backwards here where we don't have to really talk about gun issues. I mean, we do, but people don't want to question the, the COVID narrative here. Now, when you get into mass shootings or crises that, that do happen with this, you're always going to get pushback from from one group or another you know whether it's we need more guns or we need less guns whatever statistically people that have more concealed carry uh permits in a a state or a city have lower crime it's it it's just a proven fact you know what i mean so when you get into wanting to take guns and like i had mentioned earlier other countries around the world looking to america hey you know stand the fuck up or this is going to be you i foresee that very very quickly because not just with the gun issue there's so many other issues that you see spawning out of like australia and certain other countries that are quickly getting adapted over here and people are again sitting on their hands and thinking nothing of it and that's why it's so important to understand what happened here to so that your listeners and those in the states they can understand what's what's happening to you. When I see the events of the past, like the Las Vegas shooting, um, a lot of your school shootings in particular that are quite questionable, um, I'm not dismissing that people have died. That's It's a tragic event that there's victims of this, but there are still a lot of murky areas which ring red flags for me or alarm bells when I see what's happening with you guys. But we need to discuss how the the, the thought process around firearms changed in Australia. In a lot of ways, we were like America. We don't have a constitution where, where it allows self-defence and the right to bear arms, but we're a country that grew around firearms for hunting purposes, recreation, um, for farming. Like majority of Australia was an, ag- was an agricultural hub for the longest time. And many generations, particularly the boomers, grew up with firearms never being an issue. Personally, my father's told me stories of how he would ride down the main street of our town as a kid with a shotgun broken over the handlebars so he could go rabbit shooting and all the people would wave to him and say, oh, if you go, go and get a few for us. And it was just a part of the culture. There, were, there wasn't any high gun violence that 
you would see in the States. The violence that we, we saw in Australia with firearms, which is probably similar to the Americans, was particularly around uh, what you would consider underground gangs and bikies and things like that targeting each other. It wasn't really civilian-based. You might have had the odd uh, murder-suicide, but nothing to the extent of what you would think guns would be banned or regulated over. So all these mass shootings, mass shootings, I say in air quotes, that happened in the past were to do with those underground figures and the average deaths per shooting were five people. So it was very targeted. They knew who they were going after. It wasn't indiscriminate killing of innocent people in the streets. Prior to the Gun Control Act that came in after the Port Arthur Massacre, it was a hotly contested political issue in Australia. We had the left, which is our Labor Party, really pushing for uh, regulation around firearms because Australians had access to pretty much everything. And we weren't really doing anything illegal or anything terrible with them. We were just owners, not like our cousins in New Zealand. Until recently, New Zealand had the firearms laws that we used to have, and they didn't have any issues until one of their mass shootings. Right. Now, I'm going to lay out a few little interesting tidbits before we go into the events of Port Arthur. These are some of the things that came out before Port Arthur um, and during when it happened. So the Premier of New South Wales, which is like one of your governors, said when he was pushing for this gun control, said, and I quote, it will take a massacre in Tasmania before we get gun reform in Australia. Now, this is worth noting this happened two months prior to the event of the shooting. That's red flag right off the gate. Like Absolutely. Now, the, the media will try and label this as Tasmania was a very conservative state with a high gun uptake. That's the reason he said it. But it's very much alarm bells considering the context of what happened shortly after this. Another that's, interesting... That, yeah. that, sorry, that's no different than uh, Fauci coming out and saying, oh, there's going to be a, a pandemic, you know, and then boom, all of a sudden COVID hits. It's the world. Yeah. Exactly, it's a you predictive know, it's program, like, right? Yeah. Um, or a, wow. A revelation of the method in a lot of ways. Another interesting point. The week of this mass shooting in Tasmania, there's an international medical conference being held there. Doctors from all around the world came to this event. The focus of this was a simulation for an extreme trauma resulting from a mass shooting. Event 201? Event 2025? Mm. Like, wow. Yeah. Seeing things that go back that far, it's, it boggles the mind. One last thing. Now, remembering how many people were killed. So we had the 20, uh, 35 people killed and 23 wounded. Here's the last major part that brings red flags for me. We had the conference for doctors. We had what the Premier said. But there was also a 22-body air-conditioned mortuary van specially built, placed in Tasmania that week because Tasmania does not have the facilities for that many bodies all at once. Wow. Wow. Yes. Tell me this wasn't planned without telling me this wasn't planned. And the last one, Tasmania, it's a lovely, beautiful place, Population-wise, quite small compared to the mainland. And at that time, not a huge population, in particular around Port Arthur. The only two police in the region that could have intervened and stopped it were called out to a false report half an hour away, 
when the event took place. Wow. So there's I don't already... even know what to say, say to that. You know what I mean? Like everything that you just laid out is basically everything that we point out now with certain mass shootings, you know, the Vegas shooting, for for instance, you know, there are a lot of fucking red flags there, you know, you know, Uvalde, all, every one of them has similar red flags, you know, some, something was staged, some event was taking place, they, they did a drill the day before, or an exercise, you know what I mean, and then boom, it happens. Yeah, and just those alone should be enough to warrant a, a deeper investigation, but no major investigation came out of this. The shooting happened. There was a standoff with police. They caught him. They didn't kill him. He wasn't shot dead. He admitted to the crime and he got the longest serving sentence in Australian history. He's currently serving over a thousand years in prison. You guys don't cannot have the death be, penalty, I take it? We don't have the death penalty. He okay. cannot be interviewed by the media. He cannot be visited. He is shut alone in a prison without the ability to be questioned. So let's get down to the events and some of the, the issues for the event that I've found. At 1.30pm on Sunday, 28th of April, 1996, an unknown professional combat shooter opened fire in the Broad Arrow Cafe in Port Arthur. In less than 20 minutes, in, in less than 20, in less than a minute, sorry, 20 people lay dead, 19 of them killed with a single shot to the head fired from the right hip of a fast-moving shooter. So this person was firing what was an AR-15 from the right-hand hip, killing that many people within the space of a minute, majority of them shot between the eyes. This is is a red flag. Exactly. There's also a red flag that Martin Bryant, the man who was pinned for this, is left-handed with no firearms experience whatsoever. Man, like... I don't know if it was uh, Luis that I had on was talking about there was another mass shooting or, or a shooting that took took place over in the EU uh, not that long ago. And it, very similar. Uh, a lot of a lot of headshots and uh, a lot of quick shots at that. Like like uh, what do they call that uh, um, in video games? Uh, like scoping somebody real quick, you mm-hmm. know, they boom, yep. headshots and, and this and that. And it's very strange that people can be that accurate with A, no training, and B, like you're saying, he's a left-handed dude with a right-handed gun, and he's making all these headshots. We have special forces from, take your country, that aren't, aren't even that, that fucking good. Absolutely. And this Lint Cafe, you've got these people who are not all sitting. Like some people would argue that he sprayed across the room and just managed to hit those people in the head. What a fluke, right? Not all these people were sitting. And you have to know as well as I do being around firearms, as soon as that first round goes off, you'll get a reaction from the people in the room. They will start Uh ducking. They would dive. They would run. But still, all these people were put down within the space of a minute. In less than 30 minutes, at six separate crime scenes, 30 people were shot dead with another 22 wounded. And two cars stopped with a total of 64 bullets. So one guy pulled all that off one guy supposedly pulled all this off upon leaving the link cafe a fast moving daihatsu like a four-wheel drive driven by linda white was crippled in a beirut triple and you would know what a beirut triple is 
Mm-hmm. So for listeners who don't know, this is normally reserved for dead-blocking Islamic terrorists driving a primed um, explosive car at you, um, specifically around Lebanon. This is how it got its name. So yeah, what would happen they is... They put these barriers up. We call them jersey barriers here. You have one on one side, one on the other side, and then one... So you basically have to kind of do like an... Go through it like an S. It's, it forces yeah. people to slow down so they can be inspected. Yeah, and... So the barrier at triple is a means of stopping a car with an IED or an explosive device. So this, how, this is how it happens. You would use one shot to sight yourself in, a second shot to disable the driver, killing them, and a third to stop the engine. So this, this person who is left-handed, who has no training in firearms, used a military-style tactic to stop a vehicle that was coming out. And a random vehicle. Am I, am random, I getting this a, right? A, Just a, a random. random. A random vehicle. I would say this person was possibly a witness, and this witness was there to be silenced. Mm. Now, very few people know this military technique, especially in Australia. Australia is not like the United States. Mm. Our population of our military is very small compared to yours. Um, more so, our our military has very high standards, and you have to be top of the top to get in. Even as a rifleman in the army, you have to prove yourself above and beyond to get into the Australian military. So the fact that a random person could do this, again, alarm bells for me. And this is 1996, okay? The internet was just being kind of born at this point. So you didn't have Google. You didn't have YouTube to search these different tactics back then. Uh, We barely had cell phones. You know, they were just coming. I mean, we had them, but, you know, they weren't like, not everybody had them. They they weren't in your pocket, and they weren't smartphones to begin with. So, how how okay? So, how does one guy get this training if he's not connected to a government somehow, or and the it, government pulled it off and pinned it on this dude? This is where I'm starting to think it is. He's being used as a patsy, and it becomes more and more obvious the more you find out about Mountain Brian. So, this awesome display of combat marksmanship has totally blamed on an intellectually impaired man who had no shooting or military experience. He has the IQ of an 11-year-old. So he's a retard? Basically, yes. He's mentally incapable. What? And this okay. is not, this part of it, his mental um, inabilities, are not dismissed by the media. They use this to try and twist it to say that it was a contributing factor to what he did. But... With that, there's no way you could possibly have done it. Now, it, when you say he, uh, of an 11-year-old, are we talking Down syndrome type stuff, just or MHMR, mental health, men, mental retardation, or uh, autism? Do they give a, a specific kind when, when, um, when they reported this? Because I could see a this... high-functioning autist focusing in and being able to... to you know, really good at one skill. You know what I mean? But yeah, um, even then, I don't, you know what I, I mean? I don't like, think he's ever been given a do- an official diagnosis. But being 96, okay. autism wasn't a big thing. That was a relatively thing of the, the thousands where it started True. to come out. He was just a mentally impaired person with a low IQ. That's what they labeled him as. So Martin Bryant, an intellectually impaired, invalid person with no training, uses high-powered assault rifles and could not under any circumstances have achieved and maintained the incredibly high consistent kill to injury ratio. The kill to rate rate injury ratio was a benchmark for Port Arthur 
that's being used worldwide now. And people, and I'm using this as a reference, but a lot of people who know and play video games like Call of Duty and those types of things, there's a kill to death ratio. Well, this is a kill to injury ratio, which you base marksmanship on in the military. Mm. His kill to wound ratio was incredibly high for someone who's supposedly never been around firearms. Wow. Yeah. So my mind instantly goes to, this is why I think it needs to be discussed because either this guy did it with other people or it was other people completely. And if these people haven't been found, it hasn't been researched, what are we doing for those memory of those people? We're dismissing the tragic events that happened. No, there's no justice for the, for the innocent. Absolutely not. And the media did a really good job in this country and spun it. Like you said, they used a, a, an opportunity and ran with it. And so many people in this country, as soon as you bring this up, they will look at you like you've got two heads and will shut down instantly and not want to talk about it. It's a very traumatic uh, conversation for Australians. It seems almost similar to how the JFK assassination used to be uh, viewed over here up until yes, maybe the so. last maybe 20 years or so. Uh, it, it got more common to talk about and, you know, this and that. But, you know, back even in when I was in high school and stuff, you know, people really didn't. They're like, you know, JFK was assassinated and they left it at that. Nobody. Hmm. You know what I mean? Obviously, that's where the term conspiracy theory comes from and, and what have you, because if you look into it, oh, yada, yada, yada. But it, it, it seems very similar to the point where they shut down. Uh, people used to shut down over JFK. Hopefully now more people like yourself bringing it up can make it more normalized to where people want to look into this. And it, I think it needs to be looked into because you're sitting here telling me stuff I never even knew. I just knew. There was a mass shooting in Port Arthur and y'all got your guns taken away. And up until hell, probably a year or so ago, I didn't think Australians could own a gun, period, until um, I forget who it was, but brought it to my attention. They're like, no, they can. And, you know, it might have even been Ryan, you know, talking with somebody from Australia or whatever. I was like, oh, shit, I thought they totally couldn't have them. And, you know, because that's kind of what we get told over here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Obviously, our fake news is going to report it and twist it and try to manipulate us. Absolutely. It's a it's a heavily regulated system now, but you're absolutely right. It needs to be spoken about. And I liken it kind of to what Alex Jones has been going through recently with Sandy Hook. You can't speak about Sandy Hook in America because of the trauma around the lives of so many children lost, which is a tragic event. I absolutely agree, but it shouldn't be completely off the table for discussion and that's still very much the 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 psyche around it in australia so whoever was on the trigger that day demonstrated a professional skill equal to the best special forces in the world their critical error however was killing too many people too quickly while injuring far too few this exposed themselves it told us that a highly trained combat shooter probably ranked among the top 20 in the world was in charge of this or perpetrated it. I.e. government, your black ops or um, what do you guys have anything equivalent to like the CIA or the FBI in your country? Like uh, we have England. 
England has MI5 and MI6. We have ASIO, so they're okay. our version of that, yeah. Okay. Um, but, yes, we. it's even the idea that it was a potentially, and I use that very strongly, a potential military expert or mercenary used to do this harkens back to what possibly happened with JFK. Mm-hmm. And, well, I, they did actually release the full unedited uh, version of the protruder. Am I saying that right? Protruder film. Whatever, whatever, whatever the name of the film is. And you can clearly see that the driver is the one who actually pulled the trigger on JFK. Mm. Which it's, is crazy because Jackie O'Neill, she, she was saying, yeah. And she, she was saying, she, she admitted it came from the driver. He was assassinated by the driver. She, she said that three times in, in, a, in a statement that she gave. Which, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's creepy to know that our own governments around the world would set up these kind of events to usher in or keep in control certain things that they want. And, and this is the thing we need to discuss because at the end of the day, we're just collateral damage to them. Yeah. The average person's life doesn't matter as long as their goals are fulfilled. And when we hearken back to this Link Cafe, uh, sorry, not the Broad Arrow Cafe, sorry. We've got a space where there's people everywhere moving around. And now we get the idea that this has been perpetrated by someone with a highly trained experience, especially when we take into account the square space of a kill shot that was needed for that. You've got these assault rounds coming out of his Colt AR-15. The kill shot range was a six by six target over the heart and over the head. So the ones that he didn't kill between the eyes were heart shots. There were no other bullets, nothing spraying people, no injuries around the body. It was kill shots within this cafe. Now, it's accepted that, by that, authorities. That right there screams. Special forces. That, that's your basic, yeah. That's your, what they, you know, two in the chest, one in the head. One, mm-hmm. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, and know. the low number of and the low number of rounds that were used during this in, compared yeah. to the amount of people that were actually killed and, and those that were injured, yes. There were some injured, but the numbers are far too low for what a person indiscriminately spraying should have been. Now, mm. it's really it's accepted by the authorities in Tasmania immediately after the shooter entered the Broad Arrow Cafe that he killed his first 12 victims in 15 seconds. Holy shit. Mathematically less, impossible, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. That's multiple that's le- shooters. That's less than a second each. Mm-hmm. That, that's not... It, you don't even see that in, in highly trained professional target competition shooting. You know what I mean? And, you know, they sit there with their timer and they're like, pop, 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 yeah, No, it's- that, that's, not, that's not one person, sorry. There's a few there's a few features around Martin Bryant which were used by both the media, captured CCTV footage, and the police. Straggly white guy, long blonde hair. Now, if you're placing a shooter somewhere and you want the public to think it's them, all you need to do is put a wig on. Blonde wig, dress like the yeah. person. So this person supposedly killed all these innocent people in this cafe, shot the driver upon exiting, 
and killed a few more people in separate locations, at which point he got back to uh, the seascape, which is like his house, his little place where he was living. He was swiftly surrounded by armed police from Tasmania and Victoria, which is my state, which is across an ocean, (laughs) a stretch of a strait. So they swiftly got these Victorian police rapid response out there in 96. Like we had helicopters then clearly, but they were there very quickly. And we need to take into account that this is the bottom of Tasmania, the very bottom of our country. So from the mainland to the bottom, we managed to get rapid response police there. So this siege took place now. So while the media were reporting on how difficult it was, Martin Bryant fired a further 250 rounds during the siege at the police and didn't hit a single thing. Wait a minute. He went from super accurate to can't hit the broadside of a barn? Which is exactly what you would expect for someone that has no actual firearms training. Right. During this siege, he was in contact with the police and calling them. They were, this was released in the media within a week or two of the event that the conversations around him and the police, Martin Bryant is speaking like what a child would speak like, not really understanding the severity of what's going on. The police are talking to him like, do you have hostages, that type of thing. And he's talking about putting a cup of tea on and making food for people. And even in those conversations, you can hear him actively speaking to someone in the background. But after the siege ended, there was no one else in the house alive with him. It's almost like he was being prompted to say certain things. Man, does this have MK Ultra shit written all over it? Yeah, they they got a patsy. They used him for their purposes, and they most likely had outside sourced military to conduct the events. Now, these pictures are really hard to track down. I've only got them in physical books. So until I get digital copies to send to you, I'll, I'll have to reserve them, but I will describe them. This is the time of just standard CCTV, right? Mm-hmm. The media put out a picture that was cropped of Martin Bryant running from the cafe. He's big blonde hair blowing in the hair as he's running away. There it is. That's our evidence. He's the man. He's our shooter. There's an unedited version of that picture, uncropped. Martin Bryant running away still, but there's three men standing at the cafe, two leaning over the railing watching him run, a third one with a cigarette in his mouth wearing full khakis. That doesn't make any sense. Now, you would assume that if you've just seen Martin Bryant gun down 20 people indiscriminately in a cafe, you wouldn't be hanging around for a cigarette chatting with mates at the front of the balcony, would you? No. And did this CCTV cropped image, was he carrying the gun? No, he was not. He was unarmed, running from the scene. Which, But yet then he had his gun later. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Furthermore, there's footage of a police helicopter landed outside of the cafe where a man enters the helicopter and it flies away, not flying and landing to it in response to it, leaving the event. Hmm. Would that have been the shooter? Possibly, very possible. This is what I think about. Now, according to the reports told by the police and the government, 
Bryant had three weapons. He had a Daewoo combat shotgun, which was left in his car, not actively used, for as far as I know, the Colt AR-15, and he had a Belgian FN assault rifle. Now, those are very popular in Australia. They were the bulk of our military rifles throughout the Vietnam War. That's what we used. Um, they were across our, our reservists. The reservists had them, and a lot of people used them in general. So that's not an an unpopular firearm to be in Australia. But those were the three he supposedly used. So we have this intellectually impaired young man who tested an IQ of 66 with severe cognitive limitations suddenly, entirely and magically metamorphosized into the world's most lethal killer and trained in counter-terrorism marksmanship. No. (laughs) No, I don't buy that at all. No. no, and all of this, you are dismissed as a far-right conspiracy theorist, a neo-Nazi, a gun nut, if you question any of these elements. But why would you... Just what you presented right now, just, just so far, me, who's not the brightest man in the world, I'm not the stupidest, but I'm not the brightest, um, I often say I'm half-retarded sometimes, I'm putting these pieces together and they don't make sense at all. And everybody bought this? Like, this just seems too obscure to even buy. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, well, none of this information actively made it out. The event happened, the siege happened, they captured him, he admitted guilt, and it was very quickly put through the court system. It wasn't publicized and Mm. he just went away. So we've got this person with an an official IQ of an 11-year-old who meticulously planned and strategized this entire event to an extent that someone of his intellectual capabilities could not do. Even our Brigadier Ted Serring said he is equal to the best in the world. A Brigadier within our army. He is one of the best in the world. Very strange comment to make after a mass shooting in Australia. Yeah. So Bryant pleaded guilty at this point to the killings and received 35 life sentences without parole, which is more than 1,035 years. His motives are still subject to today and in high debate amongst people in our community. The massacre led to a reassessment of Australia's gun laws by the new elected Howard government, which is interesting to note that that was a conservative government at the time, who was only in power when it is in power because it has the support of our firearms, our our hunters, our farmers, all the traditional voters keep them in power. So for a traditional person to, at a national level, dismantle our firearms, that was a massive, massive thing. So much I can remember that John Howard being on the television wearing a bulletproof vest when the majority of firearms in our country could penetrate a bulletproof vest anyway. We have high-powered hunting rifles for deer. It was all show, it was all theatre to make it look like the Prime Minister was at threat from um, far-right gun extremists. But still, good little Australians, we did the right thing, we saw an event happen, and we handed our firearms in. So much to the point I can remember I was riding a bike with my dad one day and the police pulled over and that was the day they came to collect his firearms, the ones that they could take. So all these well-meaning Australians who thought they were doing the right thing handed in their firearms. Many even handed in firearms that weren't even registered in the first place. They had no idea they were in circulation. 
Oh. Oh. Like, I'm, I'm just sitting here as, as an American trying to wrap my head around this because we have a lot of veterans, we have a lot of patriots in this country that aren't going to turn over their guns that easy. If, if, if a cop car shows up, hey, we're here to collect your guns, nine times out of ten, I don't think the situation is going to go the way the police think it's going to go. And I'm not advocating for, for violence or anything. It's just that's how most Americans are. And But then that kind of contradicts what I said in the beginning because we sit here on our ass and don't say nothing about what's been going on. So, you know what I mean? Until they show up, I think that that's what it's going to take. But to, to like, I'm trying to picture your dad being like here or, or just anybody like, well, this one's not registered here. You can have it. Like my first in- instinct would be like, no, those are going on the them. floorboard. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, and we, we saw that recently in New Zealand with their, with their mosque shooting. There were a lot of firearms in New Zealand that disappeared over the sides of boats and fishing trips. But it happens a lot. So mm-hmm. I'm surprised more people didn't do it back then. But like you said, it was the 90s. The technology wasn't there to research these things, right. to ask questions. We had a media pumping and government on both sides pumping the same message. People were a lot more trusting in government back then. And the psychological trauma of having that many people killed, innocent people, it definitely left its mark. So much the National Firearms Agreement between our state and federal governments was announced within two weeks of the massacre. So things moved very quickly. It established heavy restrictions on the use of automatic and semi-automatic weapons and created the gun buyback program and a national gun registry with a waiting period for firearms. So in the past, you would just go and you'd give your name, you'd buy it. Half the time, you didn't have to register depending on the state you're in. So we've gone to now to a system where you can have lever action rifles, you can have bolt action rifles, you can have uh, lever action shotguns, but you can't have pump action shotguns. You can have straight bull shotguns. You cannot have semi-automatics unless you're a farmer. And even then that's hard to get to actually procure. And there's a, a waiting period. Furthermore, we saw more than 400,000 reserve firearms pulped and destroyed, which should have gone into government storage for Mm. the potential event of Australia needing it for wartime. Instead, they were destroyed. So the ability for Australia to defend itself and the jewel that we are as a southern farming hub for the world, if we're invaded by a foreign army, our public is largely disarmed, our reservists are largely disarmed, and we're reliant on a, quite a small military compared to what other nations hold. We're reliant on America coming to our aid. And we're a ways away. You now, are a ways away. We, we do have bases that are somewhat close, but to get any type of major fighting power there, it's going to take time. You know what I mean? And Absolutely. you have p- countries like, you know, China's a lot closer than us. Uh, you, you know, obviously North Korea is a lot closer than we are to you and, and what have you. Why would you put your own country at that kind of risk? That, in my mind, is, is the only reason America really hasn't been invaded because of the gun to human population ratio is too high. They No well, army is going to set foot on our ground and think they, they're going to stand a chance because you're going to have people 
hiding around trees, taking these people out. You know, you're, well, this you're is local little farmer and everybody. This is the interesting thing. This is very reminiscent of World War II Japanese uh, surveillance of Australia. The Japanese decided against a mainland invasion of Australia because of the high firearm density to its population. They had planned on taking Papua New Guinea and launching bombing raids and slowly coming down through Australia, but they realised the firearm density to our population was so high, a mainland invasion wasn't going to be possible unless they had the infrastructure ready to go. And now that's been taken away from us as a nation. And to think that nothing, and knock on wood, like I don't ever want to see anything bad, but nothing has happened like that yet you know what i mean no no we've just got our own (laughs) tyrannical government going on true (laughs) um which i have to talk about now that because we've spoken about port arthur and how that's changed the gun culture in australia and what's happened over time but just prior to the events of covid um our state government put a a blanket ban on buying any new firearms or any ammunition during the pandemic because our police minister for our state said it was very concerning that so many people were buying firearms all at once and buying ammunition. Little did the media let everyone know that this was peak hunting season when people buy new firearms (laughs) and people buy ammunition. Of course, it's always at those numbers. All the data shows that those numbers have been trending upwards as the sport becomes more popular. But they tried to manipulate that to suggest that people would use firearms against the government and their measures for COVID. And people bought it hook, line, and sinker. I had to wait three months to get a firearm. Unreal. Maybe if they would rethink their tyranny, they wouldn't have to worry about that in the back of their mind. You know what exactly I mean? Like, right. uh, Maybe we shouldn't be forcing all this shit and pissing our, our citizens off because there's more citizens than there are... Uh, governing body like the wow <laughs> the and way that way way shit gets manipulated you know what i mean like yeah and even hey, recently we can see cutting season yeah everybody's buying new shit you know what i mean yeah, like exactly and we can see how that the idea of port arthur being the questioning of port arthur being the point of or if you question it you're a conspiracy theorist and a far-right bigot that's being used and weaponized by the media today Prior to Christmas, we had a police shooting in Queensland. Very rare in Australia. Very rarely a police killed in the line of duty. We had two police that were targeted and killed in Queensland by conspiracy theorists. One was a principal who had had a severe heart attack while on the job after having to get his second COVID-19 shot. He refused the booster, lost his job. The second person was his ex-wife, a teacher who also lost her job over COVID and the mandates. And the third was his brother, who the media has labelled as a far-right conspiracy theorist who questions the reality of Port Arthur. So they're Mm. perpetrating this message that these three people killed these police because they were conspiracy theorists who questioned Port Arthur and the COVID narrative. Very possible. These people could be mentally unwell and have done that. For me, that's hard to digest considering those people were were very well-educated, conforming members of society in their roles as both a principal and a teacher. That's not what you see from those types of people. So your questions that you sent into the Conspiracy Underground are starting to make more sense now. Those were actually recent events that were just like 
like you sent in your voice question and you sent some clips in and we played it and Ryan and I reacted to it. But now hearing like the much broader backstory and, and surroundings around what you, you were sending in makes more sense. Cause I'm like, Oh wow. They're labeling everybody a, a right wing conspiracy a theorist, just like they're doing over here. You know what I mean? We're, te- we're extremist terrorists. If, if you're a patriot in this country now, and now you explaining that more, I'm just sitting here like, Holy shit. Okay. Now I'm starting to see the picture. Yeah. And as we're bringing that picture together, it's very easy to say that there's a definitely a, a means to label anyone who questions authority, questions the government as being a far-right extremist. Anyone that owns a firearm is going to be heavily watched and looked at now. So much in my state that if you get a driving offence, a drinking offence, like you're drunk in public, you get a COVID-related offence when we had our COVID laws, you lost your firearms. Wow. Now, if you do get uh, a DUI here in the United States, they do take take your firearms, but eventually you get them back. You know what I mean? Uh, after a certain period of time. But uh, just questioning, jeez, uh, holy So shit. an example of that might be um, during COVID when we're only allowed to have our hour of exercise a day within five kilometers of our house. If I was caught any longer than an hour or a meter outside of my little perimeter and police had caught me, that would have meant I'm a threat to the, public health and they would have taken my firearms away from me crazy has nothing has nothing to do with a virus at all no it's control yeah so those things were passed and um, as a means to get people to comply you know who here in the united states gets one hour rec time prisoners Mm -hmm. okay rec time go out and play for an hour burn off some steam okay back into your hole wow yeah And the irony that we had all these firearms made illegal within Australia, so we lost our semi-automatics, we lost our pump-action shotguns. And then during the peak of COVID, we see our militarised police walking around with pump-action shotguns, with AR-15s. And that should be the biggest message for Australians. And as an Aussie who, if you reference the American firearm system, you're dismissed as a nut job. But look look at America at least you've got the same capacity to own firearms that the state does. Yes. We do not. Damn. I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around what's so dangerous about the pump action versus a lever action shotgun. Yeah, there's no difference. Theoretically, I think I could get more rounds off of the lever action than I would a pump. No, I personally have never shot a lever action shotgun. I don't even think I've seen one. Um, I've only ever seen, you know, uh, break action or a pump. Um, so that just doesn't make any sense. Like, what, what the, what's the difference? And you're you're sitting here saying, well, I can probably get them off quicker with a lever action. I'm like, well, even I, I I've got I, a I've got a 12 gauge Adler, which is a straight pull, which has a little bar on the side. You pull back for the breach. Huh? And it just loads for you. You can fit five in the in the chamber and just keep loading it back like that. And it has a pistol grip, so it's very easy to do that. As soon as that firearm made its way to the market because it's not classified as a pump, the media went nuts on it. Police went nuts on it. They're actively trying to get it reclassified so that people can't own it. So it's not just a single, here's a gun registration, 
blanket ban. Ever since then, the police force, the government, have been actively targeting different firearms and recategorizing them so the average person cannot own them. Or you have to increase your level of um, license for it. So at a baseline, you have a Category A license, which allows you to have air rifles and um, shotguns. A I mean, category... you have to have a, a, a license to have a BB gun? Yeah, uh, yeah. Even to the point where gel blasters are full out illegal. Um, we have a Category B, which is for high-powered hunting rifles and shotguns, and a Category C um, gets you semi-automatic. After that, you've got further categories which you need to be in the Defence Force and for pistols and alike. But it's a ranking system, and you have to jump through hoops to get them. Wow. All over this one? All over this one event. Aged so, event. So much that... I have to belong to a hunting gr- a club, so I'm a, part, a member of a club, and you have to attend X amount of meetings each year to maintain your license. If you don't have that, you don't have a lawful reason for holding your license, and it's taken Unreal. away from you. Unreal. Absolutely. Man, and I used to want to move to Australia. I, not no more. <laughs> no, if, you, if you're moving <laughs> to Australia, you, you want to buy a farm so they can leave you alone. Yeah. Holy hell, like I thought it was I I thought it was ridiculous with some of our laws, but you guys make us look sane. Yeah. Um even you guys can you have night vision scopes and, and FLIR and stuff like that for your firearms? Mm-hmm. We can we can own that stuff here, but it can't be attached to a rifle. As soon as it's attached to a rifle or a firearm, then it's illegal. Now we can't hunt with, with them. You know what I mean? But yeah, we're, we're allowed to put them on our, our guns and, and, and for, you know, self-defense and what have you. Yeah, and that, that's the difference. You guys have that self-defense angle behind having firearms. We don't. You have to have a lawful reason. Recreation, sporting, hunting, or pest control. Well, so that, that's that was really... That's just- that was scraping the surface of all this information, but that was the main parts that should make you question it and research it yourself. And I think for Americans, that's enough of a deep dive to understand how something can be used and manipulated to push an agenda. And I definitely see that happening. The, the Vegas shooting was rife with that, the amount of firearms the guy had, but didn't actively use all of them. And the questions around how he got them into the hotel and yeah, that there was that there was active fight shooters on the ground that were seen by witnesses that were never investigated, and from helicopter, same types of, and helico- same types of things we see with Port Arthur. There are things that witnesses reported that was never followed up by police. And when you listen back to some of the audio coverage that was released, I'm sorry, that was a belt fed gun that most people were hearing. Oh yeah, you can hear that. the consistent pop 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 pop. Yep. And that, oh, he used a semi-automatic. I'm like, the fuck he did. That was a belt-fed, fully automatic weapon used by someone, whether it was the shooter that they told us or the government or black ops type CIA type shit. Unreal. Un- un- wow. So... <laughs> So I, now I we form that laugh, like, like, but it's, you, you have to, you almost have to laugh at times because it's so unbelievable what's happened, and it's not yeah. spoken about. 
And this no, is why this these is why tactics Australia, are used in every country. Absolutely. And you can see, so this is so far back now. Like the 90s is such a long time ago, but this was the oh, template that they wanted to apply everywhere. And it was very successful yeah. in Australia. And there's a few things that get in the way of it working in America. Constitution, amendments, uh, your affinity for freedom. You're built on a, a country that was built under the yoke of tyranny and you were able to fight that off. And you, ne- as a people, it's ingrained in your DNA. You can't let that go, the possibility of it happening again. And Australia just wasn't built with that. I say it time and time again. We are the ancestors of convicts and their jailers, so we are very good rule followers. So Australia is a great petri dish to roll out a lot of things that have been happening in the world. Yeah, and a lot of people don't realize um, that's where the British would send, you know, like you said, the convicts and, and what have you. They sent them to Australia, and then eventually you got your independence, and well, you're still kind of under the crown, am I correct? Yeah, we're a Commonwealth nation, so we're self-governing. Yeah but we still answer to the queen or the king now. King. Yeah. Uh, Old sausage fingers. Um, (laughs) But uh, it, it, it is ingrained in us. However, when you start looking at these campuses and universities, you're starting to see that ingraining lost. And I think investment off effect. Yeah. Yep. And it's, it, I think within the next, generation or two america is not going to be what it looks like even today no and i've often thought that because they keep ramping these up like there's what would be considered a mass shooting air quotes in america every other day just by the way they analyze the how many people shot is classified as a mass shooting right but when the big ones come out the news that the media pushes you can see that there's a big shift in the american thinking around firearms and their place in america it's going to get to the point where I couldn't see firearms completely taken away, but what I would see in my envisioning of the future for you guys, unfortunately, is a balkanization of the United States. There'll be states that completely move away from what the tenets of your constitution are, and there'll be those that band together to protect it. So you might have the likes of a California Republic yeah. governing themselves. You might have a, an Appalachian uh, area which is self-governing you'll have districts within the u.s those balkanized mini countries within the united states based on political views and how the government's pushing certain things I could and see you that. kind of see that and you can kind of see that in miami at the moment in florida right yeah oh yeah during covid Easily. that was its own independent country essentially yep in a lot of ways texas texas to an extent but yeah. not not like florida like florida really set the precedent. Like they're like two middle fingers and and two big toes up. They're like, no, fuck you, ain't having it. You know what I mean? Uh, Texas tried a little bit; they were a little bit more free, but uh, yeah, I, I could I could see where you know you'd have like Texas, Oklahoma, maybe Louisiana, Mississippi, Florida, and maybe even up in I wouldn't even say Colorado because they're so liberal up in there. But, you know, being a territory of the United States, then you have like what you're saying, like with the Appalachia and, you know, maybe California, Oregon and Washington doing their thing. Idaho, Montana, uh, Wyoming, maybe Utah and some others. And then it, it would just be it would be really broken up. 
but I can see it. I can, I can see that coming. And I think the only the only thing that's kind of stopping that happening, like with Texas, I know Texas, Dallas is uniquely a uh, d- Democrat zone. It's held by Democrats, correct? Just like in Australia, all our major cities are left wing seats, and because their population, they end up winning the entire state based on their population mm-hmm. size. Whereas the Melbourne, like an example here, Melbourne is what well, is a Labor seat, and then everything else in Victoria, pretty much everything would be considered conservative. So it's almost okay. going back to that, um, almost like a taxation without representation. It's like government without representation. Why would seats or areas in a place of a country that are conservative, why should they listen to people who live in a, a city that don't understand their life or care about them? We're moving right. into that kind of mindset. Yeah. I mean, even here in Pennsylvania, if you take out Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and up maybe near uh, Luzerne, Wilkes-Barre area, um, everywhere else pretty much in this state is conservative. Everywhere, these bigger cities, oh, we've got to go blue because, you know, we're dumb. (laughs) I'm trying to say it in the most polite way, but I I, I don't get it. Like, even even when the last... uh, Elections rolled around. Uh, this Fetterman guy. I, not that I was an, uh, wanted Oz to win, but you know, here we go again. Lesser of two evils. I don't even know how he he got it because you hardly seen any sign political signs for Fetterman. It was all Oz and and you know red, red you know red candidates and nothing nothing like that even happened. It was complete opposite. It's like wait what? And then you see what happened in Arizona, and it's like. Something's not making sense. And then and you it pointed out the mind that anyone could vote for him because he's he doesn't appear to be mentally capable of fulfilling that role. Like, no. sure, he had a stroke, and the poor guy had a stroke. But should that person be in such a high standing form of office if he doesn't have the mental capability to to be able to perform for the people? Right. No way. He's, no way at all. He's supposed to be elected to represent us and our voice. I mean, that hasn't been upheld in in probably a hundred years. <laughs> or more and that's where we get into the idea of two wings of the same bird but yeah yeah it's a it's a strange world we live in and hopefully today's little conversation gives some americans some insights into how things could potentially go if you're not vigilant in in noticing those patterns and noticing those irregularities of what happens in your country especially around firearms absolutely and you know I, i've always been an advocate of you know, hey, you know, and obviously I was corrected, but I'd, I'd always be like, you know, do you want to be like Australia? You know, lose all our guns and, and this and that and not be able to defend yourself. You know, keep keep voting this way. Keep doing this. Keep 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 doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Keep being insane in, or insane. And people just, eh, it'll never happen. I'm just going to sit here and work on my car. Or I'm just going to go to work or I'm going to come home and make it. De- until something happens to us personally, and I hope it's not too late by then, um, not, people won't wake up. They, they they just won't. You could point out what we just talked about all day long, and I hope this this episode opens people's eyes. But I don't think, unfortunately, it'll have the effect that you and I both want it to until a drastic measure is try uh, is trying to be enforced on a, on America 
or any other nation. I mean, look at Canada just banned all their 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 fucking guns. And yeah, it's it like, literally over shootings with police, which it wasn't shootings with average citizens. It was majority of it was against police. Like the, I know that there was one where um, some people at a, I think it was like a truck stop were killed, which is horrible. But in retrospect to the density of firearms that are in Canada, it has very v- low crime rate with firearms. So it seems like a knee-jerk reaction. It is. And when you look at how big Canada is versus the population, I mean, it, it's a it's barely populated as a country, you know, other than your most bigger, of them are on your border. Yeah. And other than that, I mean, I've said it for years, man, you want to disappear, go sneak across the border and just disappear into the Canadian wilderness. No one's ever going to fucking find you. That, that's why people go to Alaska. It's the same thing. It's it's not much different. You know what I mean, it's like, hey, I'm gone. See ya. And, you know, Trudeau, Castro, whatever you want to call him, you know, sits there and, and, and bans all these guns. And it's like, well, this isn't making any sense. And I, I, honestly, and, and I say this a lot. Canadians are just too nice of a people. They need they need to get a little bit of their backbone back. They tried with the trucker thing. And in my humble opinion, I think they they let the government win, win that one because they had they had a good stronghold. And, you know, the government used some tactics. I get it. But, you know, stand up, man. You guys got to stand up. And I, I don't I don't know why they don't. You know, they, they, some people will, will speak out against it, but nobody protests and actively tries to do anything. I, I think you're, you're hitting the nail on the head that can, Canadians are nice, but I think in general, people like ourselves, we don't advocate for violence. We don't want violence. Huh. So for people like us to have a trucker convoy or a large-scale protest, that is quite big. And the problem is where because we're such caring and empathetic people majority of people like us we're not prepared to go to that next step of that next level and unfortunately that's going to be detrimental in the long run and it's going to take a group of people to go to that next level which i don't condone but as we know governments hold and maintain power through violence or the threat of violence end of the day that's how they violence and fear Mm -hmm. and unless you're willing to meet that head on Nothing's going to change. You can protest and scream until you're blue in the face. It's not going to change anything. No. Violence needs to be met with violence at some point. And history shows you know, us that too. Yes. And when the lockdowns first started rolling out, the I think the Australian people got hit the hardest with a new world order tyrannical type of governing um, where they used energy weapons on, on, on people. You know what I mean? And yeah, people they would report it. On us. Yeah. And people are like, no, they didn't. Well, go look at the footage and you you tell me what what they used on them. Because they they were coming away with burns on their face? Like, no. Uh, the, then you had people locked down in their houses and were there really like um, concentration style camps set up in yeah, in australia they were yep as soon as you got off a plane or you got off a a um a cruise ship and you landed in australia you put in one you put in either a hotel 
or later stages, one of those camps that they hastily built. Until you te- and you were tested every day until you were tested negative, and then you could leave after the 14 days. Yet we learn nothing from World War II? No, not at World, all. World, nothing. Huh. So much to the point where the protests in Melbourne really started to pick up when our little dictator, Dan, put a mandate on tradespeople. Apparently, the statistics were showing that builders were having the highest cases of COVID. So the only way to get around that was to mandate all builders. And that started off with our protest around our tradespeople and our union members smashing down the union headquarters because they were refusing to stand up for their members. And this resulted in uh, tactical police facing off with, with tradesmen. And then everyone jumped and piled in onto this. And they were protesting across the state, so much to the point to try and quash what was happening the state government put a ban on any media helicopters taking footage of it because it might inspire others to do so. And if it wasn't for independent media recording on their phones and putting out live streaming, we wouldn't have had any idea what happened. Wow. That is crazy. Like to look into it or hear rumor that this might've happened in Australia versus talking to someone from Australia telling me, yes, this is exactly what happened. This is what they did is like, holy shit. It it was worse than what I thought. Like, man, we need to get you over here in the States. (laughs) Wow. And, And you wonder why you're seeing all these different people, whether it's in Europe, uh, Japan, Brazil, you know, take your pick, whatever they're allowing us to, to see, standing up against their governments. And it's for good reason. There's more of us than they are them. And we just need to stand the fuck up. Absolutely. And it's it was at the point where it was over 100,000 protesters walking the streets of Melbourne. That's enough of a size of people if they were all of the same mindset. They could have brought about change. The police were far too small in number. Sure, they were armed, but they couldn't have stopped them if they oh. really put their mind to it. It was the only the idea that those people were concerned for their safety and their lives, as they should be, that they backed off. Um, mass arrests were happening. People were getting door knocks late at night and arrested because their faces were found on social media to be at protests and they were arrested in the dead of night. Wow. I could not. Well, we, we kind of did that with, uh, you know, people that were supposedly at J six here, here in yes. the United States, just because you might democracy. Yeah. Uh, just because you might've been there, even though you didn't go in the Capitol, there's people that are still locked up and over nothing, over nothing and treated like political prisoners and it and it the moment you bring it up you're like we have been saying this whole episode a right wing right wing conspiracy terrorist because what they did was wrong no those buildings belong to us we the people they're our buildings they're not their buildings they're they're our buildings and not to mention we have the right, let in yeah let in and it so much debauchery around the whole the whole incident to 
point this out to people and you're like, these guys are locked up. Our government's locking up our own people. No different than Hitler did with some of his people or Stalin or Mussolini Mao. or Mao. Yeah, Pol Pot. It, take, your, take your fucking pick over these crazy leaders in the past. It's still being done and nobody wants to fucking say anything about it. And when you do, you're called the crazy person. And it's like, no, I'm not. You are because you won't believe it and you won't go look back in a history book. You won't take the time to research shit on your own to take five minutes and you can learn about Mao, Pol Pot, Stalin, Hitler. You know, a Hitler should be in everybody's mind. You know what I mean? Like, even looking back at what we, our own government did to the Native Americans here in America. Exactly. Like, we're, we're starting to go back to repeating those same processes from history that have already happened. And the media is really ramping up the attack in Australia now. I think we've hit a critical mass where enough of the average person was like, oh, yeah, I got the vaccine because, you know, I was doing the right thing. But a lot of it doesn't make sense. And I don't actually agree with what the government did to the people during that time. And those people are questioning stuff so much now that the media has been running flat out stories about how politicians have been targeted with violence and death threats more than ever before. And they link it always back to conspiracy theorists. Always. They're quickly labelling the people who question and want some kind of independence in their life and self-governance as being a threat. And I would not at all be surprised if Victoria in particular gets a lot stricter laws around what we can say and do, even though we don't have a, a freedom of speech in our country. We don't, ha we have hate laws, hate speech laws. We don't have anything to protect ourselves verbally. That it's getting to a point where the government knows they need to double down, double down quickly, or it's going to get away from them because the people are waking up. And, and that goes back to, why I end every single one of my episodes. There's a reason I always say, think for yourself. If you don't think for yourself and take, take that risk of being called a conspiracy theorist, you, why would you just want to go through life being a sheep and not question, question something, you know, Thomas Jefferson, like him or hate him, you know, there's evidence on both sides said something very, very important during his you know, days on this earth, question everything, even the very existence of God himself. You have to question. If you don't, you will never learn. And if you don't, you will be doomed to constantly repeat mistakes over and over and over again. And people have lost that. It, like, wake the fuck up. You know, it's okay to question this, this Ronan narrative. It's okay to question, uh, details behind this this shooting it's okay to question um what the hell's going on with the this killer supposedly that went on this idaho campus and and killed these people with with a knife not a gun uh you know and now there might they're saying there might be even ties to him supposedly having killed people here in pennsylvania at one time question it because if the if it sounds too good to be true or your gut just sits there and says something's not right well then something's not right and look into it do your own research because every media around the world doesn't matter what country you're in folks even here in america they lie to you they spin a narrative 
If you're still thinking Fox News is telling you the truth, you're 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 asleep. If you think CNN's telling you uh, uh, lies, uh, you're you're still asleep because they're no different than Fox. They're all ran by the same fucking company, and there's what five in the whole world that that run everything. And yeah. you know, I'm okay with being called a conspiracy conspiracy theorist. I like to conspiracy realist or you know conspiracy truther or truth whatever because seems like a lot of these conspiracy theories these days are uh coming true real quick versus six months six to twelve months yeah Yeah. it's and sometimes even sooner yeah you need to think about a government you should never be fearful of your government government should be fearful of its people yes and if at any point in the past three years you had any any shred of fear of your own government and what they were doing, that's the biggest indicator for you. Go on your gut feeling. I'm happy to admit my state government scared the shit out of me with the actions that they did. And what scared me more was the majority of people didn't see it. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I fear for, for you and every Australian out there that was forced to get this experimental you know, shit put in their body and, you know, you've brought it to, you know, attention, you know, people dropping left and right and, you know, look, oh, why are you pointing that out? How dare you ask if he was vaccinated? Well, it was okay to fucking point out people that that died, you know, their vaccination status, if they died with COVID or not, you know, it's clear that there's something happening because it's this pokey poke that's going in to all these people. And you have all these young people in their prime physical peak dropping over with heart heart issues. Yeah, I have I have a very I think a very well informed idea of where that's going. That this past week in the media, there's been stories about cardiac issues on the rise, and they gave the number that in Victoria we had an excess of ten thousand two hundred sixty one heart related deaths, not related to COVID. But they had a heart expert on there saying, but it's not related to the pokey poke. That's conspiracy theory. It's not related to that. This is all because people wouldn't have their regular checkups. Right. And you can see the wheels of this narrative are falling apart so quickly. The next thing is going to be they're going to gaslight every single one of us who is coerced. They're going to say, doctors, scientists worldwide will say, well, no one forced you to get it. No, but you had everybody... That, that had some kind of clout, whether it's entertainment, music, uh, political posi- positions, safe and effective, safe. And I saw one today. I'm watching a, a stupid show, passing some time, and and here's Martha Stewart talking about get go get your new booster. I did, and she's chopping a pineapple with a sword like she's a warrior, and she flips down her little her like but unbuttons uh like her her sleeve. And there's a blue Band-Aid there. Oh, wow. I'm surprised it wasn't blue and fucking yellow, but it was blue. Um, I got mine, and it's safe and effective. Well, you're right. Nobody did tell us we had to, but you put every fucking person that people looked up to or felt that, oh, Martha wouldn't lie to me. She taught me how to cook for all those years. The, the worst part is when they rolled out the mandates and it was across everyone that held a job. First, they started with specific professions and then... It was everyone in my state. 99% of people in my state have had at least one vaccine. On our own Therapeutic Goods Association um, definition of vaccines and informed consent, informed consent cannot happen through coercion. But they're more than happy to say that threat of losing your job, that's still a choice. 
That's like blaming a rape victim. That's like the Me Too movement. Either you let yeah. me stick my you dick got raped, honey, you because you were job. wearing it. Yeah, you were wearing a dress and you looked very attractive. So that's why you got raped. And this is the uh, thing: when people no. say that it was a choice, to some small extent, yeah, it was a choice. But is coercion a choice? You have to go back to that rape analogy with that. If you are threat under threat of losing your profession, your career, your livelihood, your house, that is not a, a what I would consider a choice. It's it's a coercive movement. Yeah, you're being you're being forced to do something. As we would say in in the military, I was under duress. Yeah, I had to do it. I, so, you know what I mean? Which and I, which ironically, I stated that every time I was forced to get one, I told the nurse that. I was under duress and they repeatedly had to say, do I have your consent? And I said, I'm under duress. Do I have your consent? I am under duress. Can I do this? I'm like, you can put it in my arm, but I'm un- under duress at the moment. So they and knew, they, they must have been getting that a lot. Huh. That, that, that's great. Like, how, what was their initial reaction though? Like, they looked, they looked it- shocked. The first time I went in, I was... I absolutely didn't want to. I wish to this day that I never got it. The first time I went on to a tirade explain, explaining why it was morally irrehensible that they were part of this and doing it and made the first girl cry. And another nurse had to come out and give it to me. The second one that I went in for, I went through the same process, but in a more tactful way and asked the person to aspirate the needle, just simply drawing out to see, make sure they hadn't hit a blood vessel. This person had never been trained in it, put the needle in, pulled out and went, okay, see, there's nothing in there. And then they threw it straight in the bin. So I never had my second vaccine. All under the pressure that I I got stuck into this person's ear about how morally irrehensible it was and asked them to do something they weren't trained in, but they never actually injected it. <laughs> but on paper, you, as Shane is saying to it. Yeah, you lucked out. You dodged a bullet on that one. <laughs> Quite literally, I think. Yeah. Wow. I, this has been a great, great conversation. Um, you're more than welcome to come back on any time. Um, obviously, loved having you at the tavern, and keep the keep the questions coming. You're you're one of the biggest contributors to uh, to the questions for cunt. And I know Ryan and I always look forward. To, we're like, yeah, we got one from Drew, and you know, Ryan will be like, oh, awesome, it's going to be a good one, right? And I'm like, yeah, because a lot of times we don't listen to them before. Uh, because we want that initial reaction, you know, okay. Yeah, that's so good. It works. Yeah. And that that's where the whole six months to a year kind of came came about, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you think? Oh, I don't know. Six months to a year. And the first time I, Ryan said that, I'm like, I don't know, dude. Like, you know. It's pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it is what it is. So one more time, let people know where they can find all your hard work and uh, social media and anything else you would like to plug. Um, feel free. Yeah, sure. Um, An open invitation to you guys. If you ever have a topic you want to talk about, come on the show. I'd love to have you. Uh, One more thing. I'm nearly a year into my podcast and I'm not musically talented. I do not have an intro for my show. If you're a talented little person out there who's willing to help me out by creating an intro for my show, please reach out to me at drewmisson88 at gmail. Um, You can find my show on all the usual podcatchers. You're missing the point. My co-hosting show, Conspiracy at 3000, is also out. And my co-host, Kaylee, and I have a educational show all about helping families navigate the education system, homeschooling, government schools, called The Homeroom, Educating Educators. Love it. And I think more people need to 
get back into homeschooling. Um, they make it sound like it's too much and it's too hard because you need both parents working in the workforce and this and that. Where there's will, there's way. And yeah. it, it, it's the only thing that's going to help curb the indoctrination of our young ones. You know what I mean? Um, I'm fortunate enough. My daughter uh, was raised by me, um, you know, and has that little kind of slight conspiracy side to her, you know, looking into it and this and that. And my stepson, same thing, you know, him and I think a lot alike on a lot of levels to the point where, you know, even during some of the lockdowns and, and, and what have you, when, when it was first coming out, um, my wife w- would start speaking the narrative that she heard and he would like, boom, no mom, this, 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 <laughs> this, and this. And I'm just looking at him like, damn, I hear, I thought you were just a dummy and you know, you're, you're actually kind of awake and, and, you know, so two great kids not going to be indoctrinated anytime soon. And, and, you know, fortunately, unfortunately they did go to public school and my daughter goes to university, but she's not fully indoctrinated. And I, I, I kind of pat myself on the back for that, hopefully. Um, but I think more people need to get into, uh, to homeschooling and, and go back to the old ways, you know, canning, uh, preserving your food, growing your gardens, you know, raising some chickens, you know, just small things like that, that, can go so far you know what i mean like right now my chickens aren't laying they're going through their molt when they do we sit on so many fucking eggs through the the spring yes and america's kicking goals when it comes to that homeschooling stuff ghost yeah i think the latest figures were there were 17 million american children in the homeschooling system that's nearly bigger than the entire population of of australia we're 26 million you've nearly got more kids in homeschool that's awesome. That's amazing. That's amazing for you guys. Because I know they do a, a thing over here called pods, like pods learning mm-hmm. or something. And and I wish that was around, you know, when I was raising my my daughter when she was in, in school and what have you, because that's something I could get behind. You know what I mean? And and you know, it it just means one person, I don't want to say has to sacrifice, but you know, okay, Mary down the street takes in five kids and homeschools them while you know you're able to still go to work and and this and that you pay a little bit da 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 bada bing bada boom they get a good education and you know back to the egg thing when we're sitting on abundance my neighbors get eggs my family gets eggs you know everyone my wife everybody everybody benefits you know i i don't i don't sell them you know what I mean? And, you know, she'll take them to her job and, and sell them for like a dollar fifty for a dozen. You know what I mean? Just whatever. And we just kind of throw it in a jar. It'll help for the, the feed or whatever. You're not going to get rich off of it. But uh, I mean, well, nowadays, I guess you could. I mean, hell, they're ten dollars <laughs> a dozen. But anyway, yeah, that, that's a, got a, it's a whole story uh, itself. Isn't it? We've got a shortage on you can only buy two cartons of eggs at the moment, but we don't oh, have wow. any active like bird flu in the country so i don't know why what's happening in the u.s is affecting well maybe us. they should put a mask on these these damn chickens yeah Stop the spread of this putting bird me at flu. risk yeah think about others <laughs> selfish birds oh my god well to my audience thank you for tuning in again and uh drew thank you for your time uh i know you're you're in the future because it's uh sunday where you are already and uh, uh it's still saturday evening over here in in the united states but you know we make it work and uh, I'll say this all the time. It's easier for me to book somebody from ne- now Australia or England than it is to book somebody from California. And they're only three hours behind me. 
can't figure that one out, but whatever. Um, but anyway, thank you. And to my audience, don't forget, I say it all the time and I say it for a reason. Think for yourself. Hey, everybody, it's closing time. You don't got to go home, but you can't stay here. 